Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of OTR Playlist. It has been quite some time, I think about three and a half months since I last put on an episode, so we are definitely due, and I can say that I shall be putting out episodes probably at least every two weeks, but maybe every week I'll try to put one out, but uh, definitely every two weeks I should be releasing these. And if you subscribe to the feed, that is great, but you can also go to throwbacknetwork.net and you can stream the show right there and along with OTR Playlist you can find some other great podcasts that are retro related uh, my other podcast that I do with the uh, Steve McLaughlin Door Door Geek and uh, Rob O'Hare Rob Flack O'Hare we do Throwback Reviews podcast which we talk about stuff from when we grew up in the 80s some 70s stuff but pretty much uh, 80s movies uh, toys we did an episode about when we used to build forts or just go ride around neighborhoods on our bikes so it's a, it's a fun little podcast. We get to reminisce about being kids again. And we also on the network we have some uh, podcasts dedicated to the Atari Twenty Six Hundred games of the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Twenty Six Hundred. We have an Televisionaries, which is all about the television gaming system. We have um, podcasts about creepy cool movies from the eighties that Doug McCoy watched. Uh, you can find all of his podcasts on the network. Uh, it's the McCoy cast. So we have some really good stuff going on at Throwback Network. Uh, you can find that again at throwbacknetwork.net. All the shows in the feed can be streamed right there on the feed, and there's also links to those podcasts on uh, home websites, so you can get their RSS feed and uh, subscribe. So go check out Throwback Network. You'll find a lot of good shows over there. So going into this week's episode, uh, we will be doing You Bet Your Life, which was an uh, American quiz show. It aired on TV and on radio, and it originally began on ABC Radio in uh, 1947, and then it moved, uh, like a lot of shows back then, it moved to uh, CBS Radio in 1949, and then it finally went to uh, NBC TV, which it was broadcast as a television show and as a radio show at the same time. Uh, the format was pretty simple, so they were able to simultaneously uh, do that as well. And just a brief summary of, of how the show kind of worked. It changed a little bit over the years uh, as far as money uh, and prizes, but for the most part, there would be uh, three teams. Uh, of two and they would pick the contestants from the audience and uh, Groucho would bring them down or bring them out and he would do a brief interview with them a couple minutes interview asking kind of questions and he would use his comedy to kind of riff back and forth uh, with what their answers were and it was uh, pretty entertaining very funny stuff and uh, I, I knew who Groucho Marx was obviously um, I had seen some of his stuff here and there but never quite honestly uh, saw a lot from Groucho Marx so I, I really enjoyed this show I think he's he's just a, a great comedian very funny very witty uh, when you listen to it, it, it you pretty much can tell it, it seems as some of the stuff was pre-staged I guess you could say some of the answers um, but for the most part I think it was pretty much spontaneous um, and the way the show worked, it was it was a game show, and the contestants would be asked questions, and generally the teams were made up of a male and a female. And uh, in the early stages of, of the show, pretty much from 47 to about 53, uh, the couples would start off with $20 in their bank, and they would be asked questions, and they could decide on what how much they wanted to wager. And depending on how much they wager would depend on how difficult the questions were. And out of the three teams, uh, neither team would know how much the previous team had made and the team that made the most money uh, at the end was able to uh, go for the jackpot question which would begin at $1,000 I believe it was and every week I 
believe it would increase to uh, $500 uh, until somebody won. And also in the show, there would be a secret word. So they would announce the secret word, whether it be door or sugar, some kind of common word that people would generally use in every day-to-day conversation. And if one of the teams had mentioned that in their interviews, they would uh, instantly get a $100 from the uh, drop-down duck. Sometimes it come down from uh, DeSoto Automobile. And speaking of that, uh, some of the sponsors for the show, uh, we had uh, Alan Gelman, who was a uh, jewelry manufacturer, and uh, he was the first sponsor for You Can Bet Your Life. And after that, uh, you would hear probably in uh, a lot of the shows, and and mainly like the TV radio, was uh, DeSoto Dealers, which was a division of the Chrysler Corporation. So with that being said, I will leave you to Groucho Marx to get on with the show. I hope you enjoy these three episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word tonight is sugar. S-U-G-A-R. Rather. You bet your life. The DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America present Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life. The comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood. And here he is, the one, the only... Never heard of him. Oh, that's me, Groucho Marx! <laughs> Thank you. Well, here I am again with $3,000 for one of our couples tonight. George Fanneman, who's first? We invited some milkmen and some brewmasters to the show tonight, and just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected milkman Howard Cram. His partner is brewer John White. Gentlemen, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, gents, for the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers. And if one of you says the secret word at any time, he wins $100 in cash. It's a common what? word, something you use every day. A milkman and a brewmaster, eh? A milkman, uh, Ho- Howard Cram, is that right? Where, where are you from, Howard? Uh, Park City, Montana. Just a hop, skip, and a jump from Yellowstone National Park. Well, is that the only way you can go? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Mr. Weiss, uh, you're the brewmaster, huh? That's right. Oh, uh, where, where are you from? Omaha, Nebraska. Why aren't you from Milwaukee? Born in Omaha. Did you know then you were going to be in the beer business? Almost. Almost? Milkman, uh, you haven't turned sour yet, have you? Uh, no. <laughs> who, do, who do you work for? Uh, Eight-Or Milk Farms. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Beer Bust, who do you work for? Huh? Meyer Brewing Company. Who, the Meyer Brewing Company? Meyer Brewing Company. How, how, much, uh, how much beer do you brew in a day? Oh, about 900 barrels. Hmm. And Milkman, uh, how much milk do you deliver in a day? Oh, I deliver around uh, 550 quarts a day. You deliver 550 quarts of milk a day? Yes. I don't believe it. <laughs> Let me see you open your big brown eyes and say, Ma! <laughs> now, as a milkman, has anything embarrassing ever happened to you, Mr. Cram? Well, yes, yeah, several things. Uh, one, for instance, uh, my wife and I was uh, walking down the street uh, the other day, and I happened to see one of my customers on the street. And uh, I said, uh, how do you do, Mrs. Jones? And she looks at me and didn't even recognize me. And I was uh, dressed just like I am now. And I said, uh, well, don't you recognize me, Mrs. Jones? I'm your milkman. She says, oh, uh, I didn't know you with your clothes on. <laughs> this must have made your wife very happy. <laughs> How about you, Beer Bottle? Have you ever had any uh, unusual experience, embarrassing? 
Yes, I remember one incident uh, when I was serving my apprenticeship in the Berea. Uh, this plank was placed across the top of this tank here, and uh, I fell off the plank into this tank of beer. <laughs> and, uh, well, would you have stayed in there if there were pretzels in there? <laughs> I think so. Have you ever been totally dry, Mr. White? <laughs> you, you know how to milk a cow, uh, Mr. Cram? Oh, it's easy. There's nothing to it. Well, it's easy to lay an egg, but I bet you can't do that. <laughs> well, I, I think the least you two could do is shake hands. <laughs> I now pronounce you more than milk, huh? <laughs> Now, in just one minute, you're going to have a chance to make $3,000. For many reasons, the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America believe that their way of doing business has won them many new customers, folks who will continue to be their customers. That's because these dealers have done their utmost to treat you fairly and squarely. Whether it be for a new car, a used car, or a simple repair job, they've tried to be courteous all along. Well, you, the car owners of America, seem to have appreciated this kind of organization and the attitude it had toward you. So today, in every city and every state, thousands of smart car owners make sure they stop at the sign of an authorized DeSoto Plymouth dealer. of a milkman and a brewmaster will be the ones who get the chance at the DeSoto Plymouth $3,000 question. Fenneman, explain the rules. Each of our three couples has $20. They bet as much of that $20 as they want on each of four questions. The couple that earns the most money gets the chance at the $3,000 question at the end of the show. Our other two couples are in a waiting room off stage, so they don't know what's going on out here. You select the same as friends and companions as your category, is that right? All right, now you have $20. How much are you going to bet? Ten. $10. Here's your first question. You bet $10. What was the name of Robinson Crusoe's faithful servant? Friday. Friday is right, huh? <laughs> They're on their way with $30, Groucho. Remember, you're going for $3,000 tonight. How much of the 30 will you try? 20. What was the name of John Alden's good friend? <laughs> so quiet you can hear a contestant <laughs> drop. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. It was Miles Standish. They now have $10. All right. Here's your third question. How much of the 10 are you going to try? Five. Five dollars. Who was Tom Sawyer's best friend? Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry Finn yeah. is right. <laughs> on the way again, they have $15. All right, now you got 15 Here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the 15 15 Shoot the works. Who was Sherlock Holmes' faithful friend? Well, yes, that's right. It was Dr. You know, Watson the Needle. Oh, Dr. Well, here's one more chance to make some money. If you get this one right, I'll hand over $10 in cash. And please, no coaching. Who was buried in Grant's tomb? <laughs> Grant. General Grant is right. <laughs> Thanks and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Now, stick around. Who knows? You may be the ones who get the chance at the $3,000 question. Groucho, the secret word is still sugar. Perhaps our next couple will say it. Just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected an interior decorator, Mr. Doug Haynes, and a housewife, Mrs. Audrey Forsythe. Folks, meet Groucho Marx. 
Welcome, welcome to your bet your life. And if one of you says the DeSoto Plymouth secret word, he wins a hundred dollars in cash instantly. It's a common word, something you use every day. Uh, Audrey Forsyth, where are you from? Oh, uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. You're very pretty, housewife. Too, Thank you. Is your husband as pretty as you are? Uh, not quite. <laughs> is he much bigger than you are? Yes, he is. Well, let's forget it, huh? <laughs> what does your husband do, Audrey? Uh, he's in the Army. He's a tech sergeant. A tax sergeant? Yes, yeah, What technical. does he do, sit on tax? <laughs> now, what is a tax sergeant? I'm not, I haven't been... Well, well, I don't know. I've only he... been through five wars, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, I didn't say I was in him. I was just through him. <laughs> well, it's the grade below a, a master is all I know. And do you see him very often? Oh, he's going overseas. When? Uh, around the 28th, I suppose. Mr. Douglas Haynes, you're the uh, interior decorator, huh? No, Hal Haynes, sir. Oh, Hal, Hal Haynes, huh? Where are you from, Hal? I'm from Auckland, New Zealand. Are you, are you married? Yes, sir. Is your wife in the army? Huh? No, she's not in the army. <laughs> uh, how did you meet your wife, Hal? Well, she was touring in New Zealand with her father, who's Dante the Magician. And um, I went to a dance, and uh, I met her and uh, looked at her and said, Can you see out of those beautiful eyes? And she said yes, and... Two weeks later, we were married. <laughs> is, uh, is that the customary approach in New Zealand? I don't know, sir. It's the only one I've ever approached. Well, I think you did it charmingly. Huh? Uh, how did you meet your husband, Mrs. Forsyth? I was working at my brother and sister-in-law's cafe during the summer. Well, where was this? In Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Oh. And my brother-in-law is a very ticklish person. I mean, he's just ticklish all over. And, uh... <laughs> you say, uh, he's ticklish all over? Uh, you mean all over Arkansas? <laughs> you, you, you'll have to explain that a little clearer, huh? Not too clear now, huh? <laughs> And uh, this morning, uh, I came bursting in this cafe, and I noticed this man uh, bending over the drink case. So I ran up to him, and I jabbed him in his ribs, and this fellow fell practically in the, in the drink case. His hair was red, and so I started laughing, naturally. And uh, when I laugh, I close my eyes, and so Let's I... Let's see, will you laugh? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so when I looked up, you I... You say he's leaving the 28th? <laughs> <laughs> Now. <laughs> you had your betrothed in a water case or something. So when I, I finally stopped laughing, I looked up and hissed a, um, a very angry man. I said I was sorry that I thought he was my brother-in-law. And then we were married uh, a couple of months later. Oh. Was he dry by that time? <laughs> yes, he was quite dry. Where do you do your decorating, Mr. Haynes? I work for... W&J Sloan's in Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. Well, how much would you charge to decorate, let's say, fix up the inside of the average five-room house? Oh, about four to five thousand dollars. Now, I don't mean to build a house. I mean... Uh, <laughs> just climb down out of that chandelier up there. Right? <laughs> I mean, how little could you do it for? Well, we could do it for as little as, uh, well, say, five hundred or a thousand dollars. But it really? uh, wouldn't suit a man in your position, Mr. Marsh. <laughs> My customary position is horizontal with that. 
Now, to be a successful decorator, what do you regard as the most important requirement? Well, you have to know uh, proper balance of a room and... Uh, proper balance in the bank. Well, yes. <laughs> Look at him grin when I said bank. <laughs> what else? The uh, layout of the room. I mean, you should have it in conversational groupings. Conversational and... groupings? You mean the furniture sits around and talks to each other? <laughs> Chair. One chair says to the other, he says, my, your legs are crooked tonight. <laughs> you ought to wear a longer valance. <laughs> says, well, my valance in the bank is so bad, I can't afford it. <laughs> no groaning, please, huh? <laughs> uh, Mrs. Uh, Forsythe, has your husband gone yet? Uh, <laughs> tell me, have you learned anything about interior decorating? It sounds expensive. <laughs> Mr. Haynes, would you care to defend yourself? Well, as a matter of fact, a good decorator can save money. Well, at your prices, I'm not surprised. Huh? <laughs> How much did you save last year? Huh? <laughs> How do you generally decide what color scheme to use in a house? Hell? Well, uh, if it's a cold room, you use warm colors. Wouldn't it be better to put in a gas heater? <laughs> Mrs. Forsyth, uh, Forsyth, uh, if this isn't too uh, impudent, what color is your is your uh, living room? It's pink. It's pink. Huh? Mm -hmm. How about it, uh, Mr. Haynes? Is the living room warm? Oh, yes. <laughs> How do you know her living room is warm? Maybe she's wearing long underwear. <laughs> Well, tell us more about colors. It, it, it's fascinating. For example, uh, what's a good color for the bedroom? Oh, well, I would use um, pastel shades. Uh, uh -huh. Loud colors have a tendency, you know, to well, keep you awake. Mrs. Forsythe, what color is your bedroom? <laughs> it's a sort of an orange red. Sounds noisy. How do you sleep? <laughs> I turn the light out, and it, the colors are... <laughs> You say you turn the light out? Yes. Doesn't that keep your husband in the dark? <laughs> now, you're going to have a chance to make $3,000. You run your 20 bucks into more than the other couples, and you get a crack at the big question. I can't tell you how much they won, but George Fenneman is off stage to remind our listeners. The milkman and the brewmaster lost all their money, so this couple has a clear field. Here we go. You have $20. How much are you going to risk? Ten. You selected... Uh, Large, uh, largest cities of the United States is your category. Is that right? Yes. yes. Now, you're going to bet $10. What is the largest city in the state of Ohio? Akron. Do you agree with that? Toledo. I I I'm sorry, it's Cleveland. <laughs> they now have $10, Groucho. Well, that's too bad. Well, you've got $10. Remember, you're going for $3,000. That's the big prize, anyhow. Now, how much of the $10 would you try? Five. What is the largest city in the state of Michigan? Detroit. Detroit is correct. Well, on the way now, they have $15. Now you have $15. Now how much of the 15 are you going to try? Ten. What is the largest city in the state of Massachusetts? Boston. Boston is correct. <laughs> They're still climbing. They have $25. Now you've got $25, and here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the 25 are you going to risk? 
25. Shoot the works. What is the largest city in the state of Missouri? Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis is correct. And they wind up with $50. Well, thanks and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Now, in just a moment, our last couple will come up to bat, and then we know who gets the chance at the $3,000. Gentlemen, who's ahead so far? The interior decorator and the housewife are leading with their $50. And the secret word is still sugar. Perhaps the next couple will say it. In honor of Valentine's Day, we invited some people whose occupations are in keeping with the season. And just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected Mr. Jack Thorpe, a greeting card writer, and his partner is Miss Frankie Brown, a wedding director. And here they are, folks, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, children, to You Bet Your Life. And if one of you says the DeSoto Plymouth secret word, he wins $100 in cash instantly. It's a common word, something you use every day. A greeting card writer and uh, a wedding director, huh? Mr. Uh, Thorpe, huh? You're the greeting card writer? That's correct. Mm -hmm. Well, greetings. Where are you from? Eh? <laughs> Los Angeles. Frankie Brown? That's, that's an odd name for a girl, isn't it? My name's really Francis. Oh, well, there's a new movie out called Francis, you know. Yeah. Were you the star of that picture? Not that I know of. It's a good thing. Francis is a mule in this picture. <laughs> Where are you from, Frankie? I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. Do you, do you have a husband, uh, Frankie? No, I don't. Oh. You have nice teeth, uh, Frankie. Thank you. Do, you. do you plan to remain an old maid, uh, Frankie? I'm not an old maid. I'm only 22. How old are you, uh, Jack? 25. Are you, are you married? No, I'm not. <laughs> well, let's find out something about you, too. <laughs> Frankie Gal, where do you direct your weddings? At Hotel Last Frontier in Las Vegas, Nevada. How many marriages have you engaged in? About 1,500. And how many engagements have you married in? <laughs> what are your duties as a, as a wedding director? Well, I arrange for the uh, organist, send notices to their hometown paper, contact the minister, and uh, arrange flowers. You sure you're not a funeral director? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a wedding director. It's a pretty mortuary description, you know. <laughs> You're a wedding director, huh? Well, there isn't too much difference, huh? <laughs> Only thing is, at a wedding, you can smell your own flowers. <laughs> now, tell me about the greeting card business, Mr. Thorpe. Uh, who do you work for? Well, I do work for Colonial Greeting Card, uh, Buzzer Cardoza, and several others. Yeah, well, what are your duties as a greeting card writer? Oh, I write verses for greeting cards. <laughs> You mean somebody writes those things, huh? <laughs> How do you know what to write? <clears throat> well, the simplest thing is the best. The more you say and the less you mean, the better. <laughs> it's something like the congressional record, huh? <laughs> well, uh, can anybody be a greeting card writer? No, it takes a special talent. You have to be general, not too specific. For example, if I say uh, to my black-eyed sweetheart, fella couldn't send that to a blue-eyed girl. You could if you gave her two shiners the night before. <laughs> well, tell me, Shakespeare, what are the... Uh... <laughs> 
what, uh, what specifically are the occasions for which you provide this deathless prose? Huh? <laughs> well, we have greeting cards for all occasions. Uh, birthdays, Valentines, congratulations for starting a new business. Congratulations for starting a new business? That's right. And suppose he goes Mahola. What happens then? <laughs> Suppose he goes bankrupt. I'll think up a new verse. <laughs> what do you do? Do you say the voice is yet to come? <laughs> Suppose you were in love with Frankie here, Jack, uh, and you wanted to send her a beautiful Valentine poem. Uh, what would you say on it? Go ahead, whip one out. Huh? Oh, I couldn't whip one right out. I'd have to think about it. <laughs> well, how long, huh? Oh, would it take me a couple of days? <laughs> By that time, she's married to some desert right up in Las Vegas. <laughs> you know those desert rats? They trap them with cheesecake up there. <laughs> don't you carry? Don't you carry any of your epics around with you? Oh, I always carry cards with me. Well, well, read it. Read this one. Huh? <laughs> Hi there, Grandma Darling. <laughs> Frankie, Frankie, you certainly got old quick, huh? <laughs> well, Jackie boy, that was pretty old-fashioned. Haven't you got anything more streamlined? Yes, I have a comic valentine here. Oh, you have, huh? It has a picture of a garter and a stocking on it. As the stocking said to the garter, hook up with me, pal. I ain't been snagged yet. <laughs> I'll bet that'd be a wow in Las Vegas, huh? <laughs> Frankie, while you're swooning from all this sentiment here, let's some talk some more about your job. For instance, where do the people come from who get married in your chapel? Well, they come from all over the world. Well, why? Can't they get married in uh, <laughs> Yugoslavia or Spain? No. Or <laughs> Our chapel is... Panama Canal? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't cost as much as having a large wedding in, in your hometown. And then another thing, nobody knows you there, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, how much do you charge for this grand larceny? Huh? <laughs> we have two plans. One is $25. $25? Mm -hmm. The other What do you 15. get for the 25 well, $25, you get the minister of your choice and an organist to play whatever songs you'd like, witnesses if you need them. No bride? <laughs> <laughs> what do I get for 15 bucks? I'm probably not even there for that. <laughs> what do I get for $15? Well, for 15 you get the same things as you do for the $25, except that you get a live organist. For 15 <laughs> <laughs> For 15, you get a live organist? Why do you get a dead one for 25? <laughs> Frankie? Frankie, I'll take the one with the dead organist. Huh? That's the one for me. It's $10, it's $10 more, but it's worth it, huh? Frankie, what's the largest number of splice jobs you've racked up in a single day, eh? Uh, one Valentine's Day, we had 27 weddings. 
And th is that what killed the organist? <laughs> what, are, what are your waking hours on a job like that, huh? Well, I work from 9 to 5, and I'm on call 24 hours a day. Oh. <laughs> well, you're sort of like a fireman, huh? You yes. slide down a brass pole with a box of rice in one hand and a, and a dead organist in the other. Huh? <laughs> well, now that you two are practically engaged, let's see if you'll get the chance at the DeSoto Plymouth $3,000 question. <laughs> Beat our other two couples, and you'll get a crack at the $3,000 question. I can't tell you how much they won, but George is offstage to remind our listeners. The interior decorator and the housewife are ahead with $50. Here we go. Let's see how high you can build you $20. You select the colleges as your category. All right, you have $20. How much are you going to try? Well, we'll start with 10 What college is located at Palo Alto? Stanford. Stanford is right. <laughs> And they're off to a fine start with $30. All right, you got $30. Remember, you're going for $3,000 tonight. How much of the 30 will you bet? 25 25 What college is located at Ann Arbor? Michigan. University of Michigan. <laughs> they're climbing now. They have $55. You got 55 Here's your third question. How much of the 55 are you going to go for? 50 What college is located at New Haven? Yale. Yale is right. <laughs> They're really on their way now. They have $105. Now you've got $105. It's uh, your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the 105 are you going to go for? 100 What do you say, Keith? 100 <laughs> What college is, uh, is at Laramie? L-A-R-A-M-I-E. University of Wyoming. University of Wyoming. <laughs> and they wind up with $205. And that means that they get the chance at the DeSoto Plymouth $3,000 question. We're a nation of car owners in this country, and many of us know the inside of our family car as well as the back of our hand. Others don't care about what goes on inside our car, just so long as it's driving smoothly and economically. But whichever case fits you, when you drive your car into a shop for a checkup or some kind of repair job, you do like to know what is going to be done. You like to know why, and of course, how much it will cost. Now, here's one big reason why you'll appreciate the kind of service you get at a DeSoto Plymouth dealer's. The men who work on your car at a DeSoto Plymouth dealer's are service experts. They've had special training, constant training. They've special tools and equipment to work with that you won't find just anywhere. And on top of all these advantages, you'll find they have a courteous interest in explaining to you what will be done to your car, why it's going to be done. And you'll also get an estimate of what the job will cost. That's fair, isn't it? Well, fairness is one of the aims of the folks you'll meet at the sign of an authorized DeSoto Plymouth dealer. And here's the greeting card writer and the wedding director, the winning couple, all ready for the DeSoto Plymouth $3,000 question, Groucho. All right, here we go for $3,000. I'll give you 15 seconds to decide on one single answer between you, so think carefully. And please, no help in the audience. Here it is. The first capital of our country was New York. For $3,000, where was the second capital? 
you two have decided upon. Annapolis? No, I am. I'm sorry. It's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so that means the big question next week will be worth $3,500. Well, you lost the big money, but you won $205 in the quiz. Congratulations and thanks to both of you, huh? You Bet Your Life is a John Goodell production. Transcribed from Hollywood, directed by Bob Dwan and Bernie Smith. Music by Jerry Fielding. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday night at this time for the Groucho Marx Show, You Bet Your Life. Presented by the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers of America. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth. Two great cars, both products of the Chrysler Corporation. And don't forget, next week, the big question will be worth $3,500. Well, it's almost time for Bing Crosby, so good night, folks. And remember, just be sure to see your DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Here's a tip from the National Safety Council. Look out for the driver who doesn't look out for you. This is George Fenneman signing off for the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers from coast to coast. NBC Television. Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word tonight is sky. S-K-Y. Really? You bet your life! The Soto Plymouth Dealers of America present Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life, the comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood. And here he is, the one, the only... Groucho! I wonder whatever happened to that red-headed girl. Oh, that's me, Groucho Marx! Thank you. Well, here I am again with $1,500 for one of our couples tonight. George Fanneman has placed a try for it. Just before we went on the air, we asked if there were any young people present who'd like to get married someday. Now, our studio audience selected Miss Frankie Costaletto and policeman Bob Selman. And here they are. Folks, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, kids, for the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers. And if one of you says the secret word, he wins $100 in cash. It's a common word, something you see every day. Uh, Miss uh, Costaletto? That's right. Frank, I'll call you Frankie, huh? Yes? Where, where are you from, Frankie? I was born somewhere on Brooklyn Avenue here in Los Angeles. <laughs> what do you mean you were born somewhere along Brooklyn Avenue? Well, we were going to the hospital, and I know that on my birth certificate it just says Brooklyn Avenue. Do you root for the Dodgers? <laughs> uh, how old are you, Frankie? Twenty-five. Very young-looking girl for twenty-five. <laughs> and police, you're, you're a policeman? Yes, sir. Mr. Selman, Bob Selman. Yes, sir. Uh, how old are you? Uh, I'm 27, Groucho. Mm -hmm. Where are you from? I uh, was born on Lake Superior, 
in Duluth, Minnesota. You were born on Lake Superior? Yes, sir, I was born on the lake. What are you, a whitefish? <laughs> what do you mean you were born on Lake Superior? Well, I was born on Lake Superior. My folks were on a fishing trip, and, uh... Did your old man go on fishing while this was... <laughs> And uh, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a librarian. Yes. Uh-huh. What kind of a librarian are you? Public librarian. Now, what's the difference between a public library and a, and a private library? Well, uh... Oh, I have a library home. <laughs> well, we I don't have any books in it, but... <laughs> good oh. place to hide booze. And, uh... Well, when we think of a private library... Do you think very often of a private library? <laughs> Private libraries are usually corporation libraries. They have sort of a restricted clientele, but we like to see everybody at the public library. I always think of a private library, you know. I always think of a kind of an elderly man in a smoking jacket sitting there with a knife in his back. And, uh, <laughs> usually around midnight. <laughs> they never read, those fellas. They're always sitting there with knives in their back. <laughs> you're, you're not married, huh? No, I'm not married. Uh, Bob, why, why aren't you married? Not on my salary, Groucho. Would you like to get married, Bob? Someday I plan to, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. When? Well, as soon as I can afford it. You mean you're going to stay a bachelor all your life? <laughs> have, you, have you ever thought of including uh, Frankie here in your plans? Well, I just met her, Groucho. Well, you're a cop, aren't you? <laughs> Wait till she breaks the law and then pinch her. Huh? <laughs> And Miss Castelletto will tell you a thing or two. You're still a policeman, aren't you, Bob? Yes, sir. What kind of a cop are you? I'm a probationary officer. You're on probation? <laughs> Why is that? Well, you're on your probation, Groucho, until you've proven yourself to your superior, uh, superior officers. You're under constant observation? Yes, sir, I'm under constant observation. Mm-hmm. You, you mean you're cracked? Uh... <laughs> no, sir, I uh, have to prove myself first. You have to watch yourself every minute, huh? Watch myself every minute. And while you're admiring yourself in the clothing store, <laughs> across the street, the crooks are robbing the bank, I suppose. <laughs> Miss Castelletto, what do you think of a man who's half-cracked under observation and goes around pinching people? I think he's cute. I may be wrong, Bob, but it seems to me that you're more than casually interested in Frankie here. Why don't you ask her phone number? Go ahead. Don't be bashful. I already have it, Groucho. See, Frankie, the long arm of the law is slipping around your waist already. Frankie, truly, does he really have your phone number? Yes, Groucho. Why'd you give it to him, huh? I don't know. He asked me. I'm used to answering questions. Ah, the training these young policemen get nowadays. Remember, she's a librarian there now, uh, Bob. She can read you like a book. (laughs) Well, I've kidded our policeman tonight, but he uh, he knows I didn't mean a word of it. I'm sure we've become old and trusted friends, Bob. And eventually we'll spend a lot of time together. Now, in just one minute, the two of you will play your bet your life for the DeSoto Plymouth $1,500 question. Drive a DeSoto before you decide. All across the country, prospective car owners are doing just that. 
They're thrilling to the beauty and performance of this new DeSoto. For here is a car with not just a few new features, but one that is really a new model from bumper to bumper. Start at the front of this car and feast your eyes on DeSoto's brand new full-width front grille. A beautiful grille that gives the car a look of power its high-compression engine so justly deserves. Look at those newly styled rear fenders and see how they add sweep and grace to the entire appearance of the car. Look through that rear window, which is larger and also has been lowered to make the visibility far better. And then take this new DeSoto out on the road. Remember, it's the car that lets you drive without shifting. Note its bigger brakes that stop you with far less effort. Feel how easy it is to drive and to steer. Yes, drive a DeSoto before you decide. Tomorrow, see the new, the all-new DeSoto at your authorized DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Now, let's see if a policeman and a librarian will get the chance at the $1,500. Phantom, and bring them up to date on the rules. Each of our three couples has $20. They bet as much of that $20 as they want in each of four questions. The couple that earns the most money gets a chance at the DeSoto Plymouth $1,500 question at the end of the show. Our other two couples are in a waiting room off stage, so they don't know what's happening out here. You're nothing on me, Phantom, and I don't know what's going on out here either. <laughs> here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You selected stars and current movies as your category. Is that right? Here's your first question. You have $20. How much are you going to try? Ten. Who plays opposite Rhonda Fleming in The Great Lover? Bob Hope. Bob Hope is correct. And we're off to a good start with $30. Now you got $30. How much are you going to try? Ten. No, let's go. Twenty. Remember, you're going for $1,500 tonight. Who is the star of 12 O'Clock High? Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck is right. We're on their way now. They have $50. Here's your third question. You got 50 How much are you going to try the 50 $30. Who plays opposite George Brent and Robert Young in Bride for Sale? Uh, Clyde Colbert. Claudette Colbert is right. They're really on their way now. They have $80, Groucho. How much of the 80 will you try? 20 enough? No, way up. 80. All of it? Okay. Who co-stars with Wanda Hendricks and Orson Welles and Prince of Foxes? Tyrone Power. Tyrone Power is right. And they wind up with $160. <laughs> Thanks and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Stick around now. You still might get the chance at the big question. Groucho, the secret word is still sky. Perhaps our next couple will say it. Well, who is next? A television expert and a housewife, selected by our studio audience just before we went on the air. And here they come. Mrs. Olive Rusuk and Mr. Clifford Wong meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, folks, for the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. And if one of you says the secret word, he wins $100 in cash. It's a common word, something you see every day. Mrs. Oliver Rusuk, is that right? Rusick. Uh, Rusick, uh, I see. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Rock Island, Illinois. And, and you, uh, Mr. Wong, you're, you're in television? That's right. There's an often we have people from show business here. <laughs> what shows are you on, uh, Mr. Wong? I'm not on any show. Oh, out of work, eh? <laughs> what was your last television job? Well, I uh, repaired a console set today, this afternoon. <laughs> Let me get this straight. You fix television sets? That's right. Well, what makes television work? Well, the... Uh, <laughs> both the... Uh, well, the sync pulses and the blanking pulses were transmitted by the transmitting station. It's transmitted on the horizontal polarized plane. Mm -hmm. and it's received by the receiver. <laughs> and it's detected at the... Well, I think the secret of television is pretty safe with you, huh? <laughs> 
Mrs. Russick, let's forget the whole thing. What, what does your husband do, Mrs. Russick? He's an ex-musician. An ex-musician? Uh-huh. We've got 15 of them back there. <laughs> <laughs> place for him to join, wouldn't it? What do you mean he's an ex-musician? Does he make a living not playing an instrument? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what does he do now? He's working for the school board now. Does he play a uh, xylophone or anything? Oh, no. Uh-uh. Once in a while... What did, he, what did he play before? Well, he played a banjo. Uh, once did he woo someone... you with a banjo? Uh-huh. How? Uh, well, and that, and that isn't how I met him. My father lived on a farm, and I was visiting him, and uh, I wanted to learn how to drive the car, but he didn't want to teach me, so he was taking a nap, and, then, and that afternoon, well, he was going to have this young lad come and help him with the haying. And this when... is the Eddie Peabody character. Yes. <laughs> so when he came and my father was asleep, he decided he might as well take a nap, too, so he crawled up on the haystack. And so I was out driving the car around in the hayfield, because that way I wouldn't hit, hit anybody or anything, and so I run it into the haystack. And I bounced him out, and he landed on the hood of the car in, in front of the windshield. And that's how I met him. Did he have his banjo with him at the time? No, he didn't. Now, uh, Clifford Wong, I'll just call you Static, huh? <laughs> Tell me, as a television repairman, just what do you do? Repair television sets. <laughs> Who do you work for, Mr. Wong? Munch Television. Well, if you had to do it over again, would you go into the television business, uh, Mr. Well, Wong? Uh, yes, I think I will, but only on your side of the business is where there's money involved. You want to be where I am, where the money is, is that it? <laughs> All right, you ask for it. Go ahead. This is your program, huh? <laughs> You're the comedian. I'm the contestant. Go ahead. Interview me. <laughs> think this is such a soft racket? You try it for a while. All right. Uh, what's your name? Puddin' Tame. Ask me again, and I'll tell you the same. How do you like it? Go ahead, ask me another question. What do you usually do for a living? I'm in television. I fix television sets. (laughs) Now, since you're me, go ahead. Tell a joke. Well, I tell you, uh, something funny happened to me on the way to the studio tonight. (laughs) Well, there's going to be a lot of radios going to need fixing after this. Go ahead, shoot, Mr. Wong. Well, on my way to the studio tonight, a man stopped me. Uh-huh. He says, uh, could you let me have 30 cents so I could be with my family? Feeling sorry for the man, I handed him 30 cents. I said, uh, where is your family? This is the answer he gave me, in the movies. <laughs> How old a man was he, do you remember? <laughs> no, I don't. What, what was the movie? Do you remember that? <laughs> tell me. Now, you were going to tell us a joke. Go ahead with the joke. Yeah? <laughs> that is a joke. <laughs> That's the joke? Okay, have it your own way. Yeah? What do you do for a living? I repair television sets. Well, stick to it. That's where the big money is. Huh? <laughs> well, after talking to you two, I'm convinced television is still around the corner. <laughs> Now, let's see if you can run your $20 into more than the other two couples and get a crack at the DeSoto Plymouth $1,500 question later. I can't tell you how much they won, but George Fenneman is offstage to remind our listeners. The policeman and the librarian won $160. Here we go. Let's see how high you can build your $20. What question category did you select? A. Music, Music. by Jimmy Music. McHugh. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And how much are you going to risk? Shall we bet ten? Talk right ten, up into ten. the microphone now. Ten. Because Bing Crosby is listening, and oh. we don't want uh, old Baldy to miss anything here. <laughs> You're going to bet $10. Here's yes. your first question. 
Jerry Fielding plays. You give me the name of the song. Play, Jerry. On the sunny side of the street. $30. Okay, now you got $30. Remember, you're going for $1,500 tonight. How much of the $30 will you try? $20. How much? $20. What is the name of this song? What is the answer you two have decided upon, huh? Take a stab at it. Riding around that haystack certainly made you lucky, Mr. Russell. <laughs> we just said sky, and that's the secret word tonight, so you win $100 in cash, compliments of the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America. By the way, the name of that song is I Feel a Song Coming On. Uh, they have uh, practically nothing outside of that hundred dollars. Ten dollars, Groucho. You're now, you're now, you've sunk down to ten dollars. And here's your third question: How much of the ten are you going to bet? I will bet five dollars. Five dollars. Give me the title of this McHugh song, okay, Jerry? Don't, don't blame me. Don't, don't blame me. me. $15, Groucho. Now you're riding down the roller coaster. You got 15 smackers. Here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much will you bet? Let's bet it all. Here we go. What's the name of this song? I can't get anything but love, baby. Stop. And they wind up with $30. And good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. All right, let's have our third couple, George. And it won't be long before we know who gets the big question. Who's ahead so far, Fenneman? The librarian and the policeman with $160. And the secret word is still sky. We invited some auctioneers and some square dance callers to the show tonight. And here comes the couple selected just before we went on the air. Auctioneer Ken Porter and square dance caller Irene Hanford meet Groucho Marx. Welcome to your Bet Your Life. Folks, and if one of you says the DeSoto Plymouth secret word, he wins $100 in cash instantly. It's a common word, something you see every day. We have an auctioneer and a square dance caller, eh? <laughs> Miss uh, uh, Irene Hanford? That's right. You're a square dance caller, is that right? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a kind of a peculiar occupation for a woman? Well, it might be, but I think women can do anything men can. You really think so, huh? I'd like to see you get into the steam room at the Elks Club. <laughs> Where are you from, Irene? Los Angeles. And uh, are you married? No, I'm not. I'm a miss. You're, you're a miss. Eh? Well, a miss is as good as a mile. Huh? <laughs> I always say. No, I don't always say that. I, in fact, I never say that. I, I haven't said that in years. Huh? You're, you're the auctioneer, Mr. Porter? Uh, where, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Champaign, Illinois. How long have you been in California, Mr. Porter? Well, I settled here in about 1945. What'd you settle for? 90 cents in <laughs> As an auctioneer, 90 cents in the dollar, I suppose. Huh? Are you married, or haven't you ever felt yourself going, going, gone? Huh? Yes, I'm married. You are, you are married, huh? How'd you meet your wife? Did you oh, pick well. her up at an auction? Huh? Uh, when I got my discharge out of Klamath Falls, Oregon, I came down here to visit... Out of where? Klamath Falls, Oregon. What were you doing up there? I was in rehabilitation camp up there. Oh. What, what do you do as, in a rehabilitation camp? Well, I was a Marine Corps. They was getting me ready for the public, I guess. <laughs> 
What would you say is the most important qualification for an auctioneer? Well, 95% of it is psychology, softening up the people. Well, is that what you use the hammer for? <laughs> no. No, I mean, you got to, oh, tell jokes. I'm still trying to recover from the last joke. I okay, let's hear one of the jokes, then. Just a small one now. Say about a $2 purchase, huh? Go I ahead. don't mean uh, that. I mean, you got to soften the crowd up, not with a joke, but uh, sort of in a saying, like if they're not bidding. Oh, That's a nice joke, I think. That's right. Have, have any of them ever taken you up in that offer? <laughs> How does an auction work, uh, Mr. Porter? Well, uh, you bring up an article and you explain it. For instance, if you're selling a cow, a piece of furniture, or diamond ring, or anything like that, you explain it. And tell you have to explain takes... a cow to the audience? <laughs> How do you explain a cow? I'd like to hear well, it. <laughs> How many bids are needed to sell an item, man? Two bids, sir. One bid doesn't make an auction. Well, how do you know when to stop the bidding? Well, when they quit bidding. This is after you tell them to lie down the floor and drop dead? Is that <laughs> where, do you, where do you do your uh, hawking or auctioneering? Well, I auction at Auction City. and There is really a city called Auction City? Yes, sir. It's the biggest one in the world. Well, you know, I'm kind of curious to hear you give your pitch. Suppose I got a $1,000 diamond ring here and I want you to sell it for me. Now, you go ahead and sell it. All right, now, uh, here's a very gorgeous diamond ring, ladies and gentlemen. What are you going to give for it here? All right, now, anybody bidding now? $30 now, $30 bidding now, five, five now, $35 bidding now, $40 more. Now, ladies and gentlemen... You forgot to say very... drop dead, huh? <laughs> I notice you raise your hand when you're doing that chanting. Why do you do that? Do you want to ask a question? No. <laughs> I helped you pick up bids. Oh, I thought maybe you... Then you want to go to the bedroom, huh? <laughs> Well, uh, Irene, I'm nuts about type sickery. Uh, I've never gone square dancing. Could you describe a typical dance? Well, you want an easy one or a complicated one? Well, say about medium, huh? <laughs> Tell us, Irene, huh? Well, how about... Throw your inhibitions out the window. <laughs> well, the uh, first and third couples lead out to the right in circle four. And they go once around, and the working gents go home. <laughs> Did you say the working gents go home? Yeah. Well, then who do they dance with? You've well, only started, and the men leave already. And the uh, the girls, their partners, are left on the side with the other two gents in, a, in two lines of three. Well, there's two gents that didn't go home, huh? They don't like it at home, huh? Well, tell me, Gallicucci, let's, uh, could, you, could you call a square dance, uh... Well, I might give you just one, the way one might start. Okay. You always start out with an alum and left and a grand right and left, you know. So you well. might start out, well, swing your honey high and low when you keep on swinging that calico. Now it's alum and left with the old left hand. Right to your honey, go right and left grand. Hand over hand all around that ring and a hand over hand with the dear little thing and you beat your honey and palm it in. That's pretty good. I kind of like that, huh? <laughs> now, suppose you want to set up an auction across the street from a square dance. 
And you wanted to take that crowd away from her. Now, uh, how about you uh, starting your auction and you do your square dance and let's see how the two... <laughs> now, one, two, three, go! All right, now, $75 million, $80 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 million, $80
How, how, how about it, kids? You nervous? Slightly. This is, this is the, you're both professional talkers now. This is the time to talk up. All right, here we go for $1,500. I'll give you 15 seconds to decide on one single answer between you, so think carefully and please. No help in the audience. Here it is. Abraham Lincoln was our tallest president, standing six feet four in his stocking feet. For $1,500, tell me who was our shortest president. What's the answer you two have decided upon? Ulysses Grant? No, I I'm sorry. It was James Madison, who was five feet four. So that means the big question next week will be worth $2,000. Well, you lost the big money, but you won $200 in the quiz. Congratulations and thanks to both of you. You Bet Your Life is a John Goodell production transcribed from Hollywood, directed by Bob Dwan and Bernie Smith. Music by Jerry Fielding. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday night at this time for the Groucho Marx Show, You'll Bet Your Life, presented by the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers of America. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth, two great cars, both products of the Chrysler Corporation. And don't forget, next week the big question will be worth $2,000. Well, it's almost time for Bing Crosby, so good night, folks, and remember, just be sure to see your DeSoto Plymouth Folks, here's a reminder. A dime seems like a lot of money to a small child, especially when that dime is part of the money you give the March of Dimes. And that child is a victim of infantile paralysis. Send all the dimes and dollars you can spare to your local March of Dimes headquarters. This is George Fenneman signing off for the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers from coast to coast. NBC Television. Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word tonight is smile. S-M-I-L-E. Really? Where did you learn to spell like that, Fenneman? <laughs> it was easy. You'll bet your life. <laughs> Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life, the comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood and brought to you by the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers, the dealers who bring you America's most talked-about car, the distinguished 1953 DeSoto, and the exciting Plymouth. See them both at your DeSoto Plymouth dealers. And now, here he is, the one, the only... You can do better than that. Oh, that's me! <laughs> Here I am again with $1,500 for one of our couples. 
Groucho, we invited some servicemen and their wives to the show tonight, yeah. and Sergeant and Mrs. Douglas Bogart were chosen to be on the show. So, folks, would you please come in to meet Groucho Marx? Welcome, welcome, kids, for the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers. Say the secret word and divide $100. It's a common word, something you always have with you. Let's see now. Uh, Sergeant and Mrs. Douglas Bogart. Are you any relation to uh, Humphrey, Sarge? No. No. Uh, judging from that handsome uniform, I'd say you were in the Marine Corps. Is that right? That's right. Mm, I thought so. You can't fool an expert like me. <laughs> Mrs. Bogart, judging from your uniform, I, uh, I'd say you were a girl. Is, uh... <laughs> That's right. What is your uh, first name, Mrs. Bogart? Is it, is it Baby? No. No? It's Ida. I, oh, Ida. Well, you could be a baby. Baby, Ida. What is your first name, Sarge? Douglas. Douglas, huh? Oh. Where, where are you from? Susanville, California. What is your job in the service? General Supply Chief at Camp Pendleton. For a general? I thought you were a sergeant. No, I'm a tech sergeant. My title is General Supply Chief. Oh. Well, well what do you do in your job? Just supply chiefs with uh, generals? <laughs> I issue... You supply generals with chiefs. Uh, you can have it either way, you know. I issue spare parts for tanks. You're welcome, and I'd say, what is this? <laughs> Never fails. What did you say your uh, job was? I issue spare parts for tanks. Oh. What is your hometown, Ida? Uh, I was born in Naples by Man Vesuvius. Is that near here? Uh, well, about 8,000 miles in Italy. Oh, you're, you're from Italy. Mm -hmm. oh. But I was raised in Rome. kind of an odd name for an Italian guy? Well, it's Ida in Italian, but... Oh, it's like Aida? Well, no, there is no A. It's oh. just Ida, I-D-A. Oh. But the American pronounce it Ida. I see. Would you say all Italian girls are as uh, attractive as you are? Oh, they're much prettier. <laughs> That's so. <laughs> no wonder Vesuvius keeps blowing its top. <laughs> <laughs> Sarge, how did you meet Ida? And don't leave out any of the details. I met her while I was on duty in Rome. Real chatterbox, isn't he? <laughs> Just imagine, Corvatus had the same plot, and it took a million words and five million dollars to tell it. <laughs> He's given us the whole thing. By the way, Ida, how long have you been married? Eighteen months. Do you uh, two lovebirds uh, ever have any arguments? No. If they ever have an argument, you don't have to talk to herself. Huh? <laughs> well, you're a nice couple, and apparently the Marines have things well in hand. Now, in just one minute, you're going to play your bet your life for a chance at the $1,000 question. Before you go, however, I want you to listen to some good news about a great car. Friends, we sincerely believe that the distinguished DeSoto is the best car on the road today. Best for dependable safety. Best for truly great riding comfort. Best for real ease of operation. DeSoto, you know, is the car that lets you drive without shifting. Just turn the key to start, step on the gas, you go from low to high in one fluid sweep of power. As for safety, well, a light touch of your foot is all it ever takes to stop a fast-moving DeSoto. Because DeSoto power brakes do 50% of the work for you. And Auraflow shock absorbers ease you over the bumps gently as a feather. But, friends, the best way to test the great DeSoto is to drive it yourself. Go to your neighborhood DeSoto Plymouth dealer tomorrow 
and take the wheel behind the mighty 160-horsepower DeSoto Fire Dome 8 or the brilliant Power Master 6. Both great cars let you drive without sh- A date now to drive the world's finest car by the distinguished new DeSoto. And remember, the dealers who sell the distinguished DeSoto also sell the beautiful Plymouth, first truly balanced car in the low-price field. Let's see how high can bid you $20. You selected songs by Hoagie Carmichael as your category. Now, here's your first question. How much will you bet? All of it. He says all of it. <laughs> all of it? Mm-hmm. All right, you're going to bet $20. Let's see if you can identify this song. Play it, Jerry. You don't know, take a guess. Uh, I thought at first it was Old Buttermilk Sky. It is a... Oh, it's, it's old rocking chair. I'm sorry. Oh, the old rocking chair will get me? Well, that's a I shame. I'm sorry, but nobody leaves here broke. I'll give you one more question. Who at least you'll spend $25, huh? Yeah. No, this is a pretty tough one. This isn't Grant's tomb tonight. Now, listen very carefully. Who wrote the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin? Benjamin Franklin. You're absolutely right. Thank you. Well, Groucho, we have a young lady who's going to be married soon. Oh, and... I'm sorry. To hear <laughs> and a commercial reporter who was chosen by our studio audience just before we went on the air. Uh, Miss Virginia Putnam and Mr. Frank Daniels, would you please come in and meet Groucho Marx? Each year they're getting prettier, and each year I'm getting older. <laughs> well, welcome to You Bet Your Life. Say the secret word, and you'll divide $100. It's a common word, something you always have with you. Miss Virginia Putnam and Mr. Frank Daniels. Hey, well, you're a handsome couple. Miss Putnam, may I call you Virginia? Certainly. Well, where is your hometown, Jimmy? I was born in Los Angeles on Glendale Boulevard. Let's see now. Since you were born in the West, I'll just call you West Virginia. How would that be? <laughs> By the way, you say your name is Putnam. Is your father uh, Israel Putnam? No, my father's Fred Putnam. Oh. Do you know Israel Putnam? Well, as a matter of fact, actually, he's my great, 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 great grandfather. Oh, well, he was a great grandfather. You know, <laughs> you know who he was, huh? Yes, I do. He was a famous general in the, the Revolutionary, uh, Revolutionary War, War mm-hmm. and uh, fought at the Battle of Bunker Hill. He did? Yes, <laughs> I know more about your great-great-great-great-grandfather than you do, huh? I wasn't even there at the time. Well, I was pretty near. <laughs> at any rate, uh, you've learned something here tonight. Oh, I have. Now, Mr. Daniels, tell us something about yourself. Where are you from? Well, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Groucho, but I've been out here in Los Angeles for about two years now. Oh. Well, uh, Virginia Fenneman says you're going to be married soon. Is that correct? Yes, in about uh, three weeks. Hmm. Well, Frank, you've just got time to catch a boat for Liberia. Oh, no. Or would you rather go through with this execution? Well, uh, Groucho, I think you got this uh, little bit mixed up. I'm not marrying her. I've already got a wife and a nine-month-old baby. (laughs) 
Well, I don't understand this. If you're not going to marry Miss Putnam, how did you get up here? Well, the, the audience selected me uh, before the show. To marry this girl and you're married? <laughs> no, no. That, that, they selected me to come on the show. Oh. I'm already married. I see. Well, they had something like that in uh, Arizona or New Mexico not long ago. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to have that on our show here. <laughs> what sort of work do you do, Frank? Uh, I'm a commercial reporter, Groucho. Oh, well, let's hear you report the commercials on this show. <laughs> we could use something after Fenneman. What is a commercial reporter? Well, actually, I'm a uh, credit investigator. I, uh... Commercial reporter, indeed. <laughs> what a sneaky way to introduce himself. <laughs> Who do you work for? I work for Dunn & Bradstreet, Groucho. Oh, I know them very well. I've been done by Bradstreet for years. <laughs> Well, exactly what is Dun & Bradstreet? I often see that name in the Wall Street Journal. Well, Dun & Bradstreet is a um, mercantile agency that performs a service for its subscribers and the fact that it writes credit reports on businesses so that uh, the subscriber may ship merchandise to a person with some assurance that they will be paid. I see. Well, suppose I want you to check on a company for me. How do you go about it? Well, first you have to tell me the name of the company. Well, it's, it's Dun & Bradstreet. <laughs> Before you get my money, I want to know how shifty you are. <laughs> Virginia, let's get back to you. Do you have a job? Yes, I work for uh, Tom Kelly, the commercial photographer. Oh, I... I'll have to come over and see our studio sometime. We, we could go in the dark room and see what develops, huh? <laughs> It's an old joke, isn't it? Eh? It's very old. <laughs> you don't have to agree with me quite so quickly. <laughs> don't forget, there's a quiz coming up. <laughs> what sort of work do you do for this uh, photographer, Ginny? Well, I'm a prop girl, and I assist the stylist. Prop girl? You don't look like any prop to me, Virginia. <laughs> what do you spend most of your time doing? Running around for unusual props, such as uh, old live pheasants or an unusual beer stein or uh, drapes. Sounds pretty dull, isn't it? Well, drapes can be pretty interesting. Uh, for instance, we got the uh, nice red plushy drape that Marilyn Monroe draped her form across on that famous calendar photo. You did that picture there? Mm-hmm. There was a drape in that picture? Yes, there was. <laughs> at that picture a thousand times and I've never seen a drape. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what year it was. <laughs> well, I'd like to continue this kind of conversation, but it's time for uh, you to play your bet your life. In the race for the $1,500, the first couple lost all their money and the secret word is smile. Run your $20 and no more than our other couples you'll get a chance at the big money later. I hope you win because you're going to have two wives and you're going to need every nickel you can get. <laughs> you selected nicknames of famous sport figures. Here's your first question. Now, how much will you bet? You have 20 bucks and talk it over and one answer between. Can you bet the $20? And... Let's bet the whole okay, works, let's yeah. bet the whole works. Grand All right. Yeah. What baseball player was known as the Georgia Peach? Georgia Peach. Take a stab if you uh, don't know. Oh, Red Rolf. Uh, no, probably the most famous ball player of all time, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb. 
Well, you got off to a flying start there, huh? Yes. <laughs> you can't even take care of one wife after this. <laughs> well, we're not going to let you leave here broke. We'll give you one more question for 25 bucks. Are you ready? What kind of animal is noted for his monkey shines? <laughs> monkey. Ty Cobb is right, huh? <laughs> Put it there. That's how we Well, Groucho, uh, just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected a college girl, Doreen Davis. Her partner is a special guest tonight, Judge Leroy Dawson of the Los Angeles Municipal Court. So, folks, would you please come in and meet Groucho Marx? Welcome uh, to You Bet Your Life. Say the secret word and you'll divide $100. It's a common word, something you always have with you. Doreen Davis... And uh, Judge Leroy Dawson. Hmm. Can't be a judge. Where's your bench? Well, that's at the uh, courthouse where I've been expecting to see you sometime. <laughs> Dawson, I'm letting you off with a warning. <laughs> Don't let me catch you facing me again, ever. Where? Yes, sir. You, girl, tell the court your right name. Doreen Davis. Age? 21. Marital status? Married. Case dismissed. <laughs> Doreen, what is your hometown? I'm from Hollywood, California. I was born in the Hollywood Hospital. You were, eh? Well, that's a nice town. Now, Judge Dawson, by the way, how is it I, I've never been in your court? Are you, are you new around here? No, I've been 22 years on the bench. Really? Have you ever tried hatching any eggs? <laughs> you know, just as a sideline. <laughs> Oh, brother, am I going to be careful the next 20 years? <laughs> Judge, what kind of cases do you handle? Oh, we handle a little bit of everything in the municipal court. Uh, I'm in preliminary hearings now. But if... You're only a preliminary judge? Well, at the present so When do you moment, get to the main but... bout? Well, uh, traffic, and then we, uh, oh, we handle civil suits, too. Damages, civil suits. Oh, you handle suits, you say? Yeah. Well, I wish you'd take this and have it back in the morning. <laughs> Make sure you get the gravy off this. Uh, that's an old joke, isn't it, uh, Judge? Well, I, uh, I I don't want to judge that here. <laughs> You're not going to get an opportunity anyplace else. <laughs> now, Judge, uh, I imagine you must see people as they really are in your courtroom, huh? No, I see them as they hope to make me think they are for that moment. Were you a lawyer before you became a judge? Oh, yes. Is that necessary? That's absolutely necessary. You have to pass the bar examination? Yes. Well, how can you tell if a man is lying to you? Or a woman, for that matter? Well, well, let's leave the women out of it. Yeah. They're hopeless. <laughs> no, but they lie just to keep in practice. Oh, I object to that. Well, I object to it, too, but it's true, nevertheless. <laughs> Objection's overruled. Go ahead. Yes, do, do women ever try to uh, kind of give you the eye in order to get a lighter sentence? Well, you know, uh, Mrs. Dawson is here, and I, in my own self-protection, I prefer not to answer that question. <laughs> I, I'll say that if, uh, that if they did, I don't think she got much results. Who didn't? Mrs. Dawson? <laughs> well, uh, she was never in court yet. <laughs> I've been waiting for that day, too. <laughs> Doreen, the, the judge is pretty cute, isn't he? Sure is. <laughs> no, 
Now, uh, Mr. Fenneman says you're a college student. Is that right? Yes, I am. Uh, which college do you attend? Uh, I go to UCLA. Uh huh. And uh, when did you matriculate? Well, I started UCLA in right in 1949. Uh huh. And I've been going there ever since. You continue to go there indefinitely? <laughs> it looks that way. Well, uh, you say you're married. Yes, I am. You, you met your husband in college? Yes, I did. I, uh -huh. I met him on a are blind date. Are you going to raise the family at UCLA, or are you <laughs> planning on quitting there someday? <laughs> I guess we'll raise our family there. Oh. You know, I've heard that 97% of you girls at college go there to hook a sucker. Is that, is that true? No, I don't think... No. No? Well, what would you say the percentage is? <laughs> Uh, Judge, uh, I was surprised when you said you were in the preliminary division. I remember you very well in connection with traffic cases. How come? Well, we're subject to transfer by the presiding judge. We work one year in traffic, another year in another division. Uh, well, would you regard this as a promotion? Oh, yes. Uh -huh. You were nationally famous as a traffic judge. Can you give us uh, your general impressions of the average driver who came up before you? Well, you I... You probably think we're all crazy. Huh? <laughs> Well, I wouldn't like to say definitely, but there's some... Uh, <laughs> after you watch people drive and then listen to their explanations, you're liable to get that idea. <laughs> I've learned after listening to about three or 4,000 uh, customers. That's a nice legal phrase. Isn't it? <laughs> well, that's a big... You would think he was running a haberdashery shop. <laughs> it's a big business. Oh, Last year, I had 2,500 customers, and not a one of them was satisfied, but we're still doing business. Well, uh, do you get a cut on all the fines that you slap on these people? No, but that would be a very delicious assignment if that were true. <laughs> oh, I've listened to these folks, uh, and I've found there's a, there's a distinctively Los Angeles technique in drivers, you know? As compared to other cities? Oh, yes. The average Los Angeles driver drives as though he had just bought the street. He <laughs> <laughs> drives... Uh, Judge, if you'll pardon me, but there's uh, more of a chance that they bought the street than the car. <laughs> I think there's something to that, too. At least they can't take the street back. <laughs> they, uh, they drive as though they just bought it. They drive as though their license was a title and not a right to use. They drive right down the center of the street. I don't know why we need three-lane highways. <laughs> they drive right down the center lane, and they have one eye on the rearview mirror and one eye on the speedometer. <laughs> I say, how fast were you going? And they say, 34 miles an hour. <laughs> I say, how do you know that? They say, I was looking at, at the speedometer. So there you are. They have one eye on the speedometer, one eye in the rearview mirror, and what chance has a pedestrian? How <laughs> until they get another eye. <laughs> so there you go, down the street, and all of a sudden, the guy they've been looking for appears in the wrong place. The guy on the motorcycle, instead of being in the mirror, is out here on the left side. He announces his arrival, beep beep, and suggests you pull over. So you take five blocks to find a fire plug that yes. you could park on. And, uh, well, then they come on to court, and I say, come on up here. And I say, you're charged with doing this. Read whatever it says. And they say, guilty, Your Honor, but... 
going to get now. I'm going to get a five-minute speech on why this guy is so important socially, you financially. You mean he can break you? No, that's what he thinks. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to break him with his fine. No, no, he just wants to explain why he shouldn't be required to pay the prevailing scale. It's all right for everybody else, but not for him. Well, then, he's got a point if it's me. Well, of course, there's that other type that says, uh, you can't send me to jail. That's a bad statement. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that always arouses my competitive spirit. <laughs> Have you ever thought of going into vaudeville with this man? No. Now, there's one question I have to ask you, because I hear this question frequently. I hate to interrupt this. Well, that's This is right. real humorous and good. But uh, is a motorcycle policeman obliged to bring in so many people every day? No, they don't get a percentage. No, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. There's some kind of a theory or rumor that a motorcycle policeman is obliged to bring in so many customers, as you call them, every day. Well, I don't think they are. Of course, uh, I've heard that rumor, too. No, but it's not uh, true. I don't think it is. There, there, there is no necessity for a quota. I think that's difficult to keep from bringing in more. <laughs> well, Judge, uh, I've been kidding you, but I want you to know we all respect you for your outstanding work as a jurist, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And if I ever have to appear in your court, it'll take six men to carry me in. <laughs> and a straitjacket. Now it's time to play you bet your life for a chance at the big money. And you're a pretty smart cookie. You ought to do pretty well up here, Judge. In the race for the $1,500, our first two couples lost all their money. You selected what's the numbers your category. These numbers are associated with familiar titles and phrases. Let's see you if you can identify the number. Here's your first question. How much will you bet? Go ahead. You want to bet 15? 10? 15, all right. Okay. How many thieves oppose Alabama? Four. Go ahead. Forty. Forty is right. You now have $35. You have $35. How much of this are you going to bet on your second question? It's all right. In the story by Jules Vine, How Many Leagues Under the Sea? 20,000. 20,000 is right. <laughs> Now have sixty-five dollars. Here's your third question. Yeah. How much are you gonna bet? Sixty. Sixty. All right. How many horsemen of the apocalypse were there? Four. Four is correct. Yeah. You've now climbed to one hundred twenty-five dollars. You didn't spend all your time with Chief Justice Marshall, Judge, <laughs> or even Gladstone. And I don't mean the bag. Here's your last chance to beat the other cops. They have one hundred and twenty-five dollars. How much are you gonna bet? 120. 120. 120. How many reindeer in a visit from St. Nicholas? Eight. Eight is absolutely correct. And you wind up with a grand total of $245. Thanks and good luck from the DeSoto <laughs> Plymouth dealers. And that means that Judge Dawson and the college girl will get a chance in just one minute at the DeSoto Plymouth. $1,500 question. <laughs> Folks, have you seen a Groucho Marx used car special yet? Well, if so, you'll have noticed a great many things about it. 
First of all, you'll have admired the appearance. Chances are the Groucho Special used car you saw was a late model, low mileage car, in perfect shape and ready to roll. Then, if you looked at the price tag, you probably saw that you could buy this Groucho Special for a remarkably small down payment, and that all the remaining payments were small, and you could take your time in paying them. That's what that Groucho Special sticker stands for. It means that the car you're looking at was picked by your DeSoto Plymouth dealer as one of his really outstanding buys. A remarkable car, priced to make it the hottest bargain in town. Of course, if you looked around, you saw that all the cars the DeSoto Plymouth dealer had on display were unusual bargains. That's because of the overwhelming popularity of the new DeSoto in Plymouth. Your neighborhood DeSoto Plymouth dealer has far and away the finest used car bargains in town. Take advantage of his remarkable used car offers. See his unusual stock of fine used cars tomorrow. Pay special attention to that wonderful group of cars known as the Groucho Special Used Cars. We're sure you'll find exactly what you're looking for among the fine used cars of your neighborhood DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Now, Groucho, here's our winning couple, Judge Dawson and the uh, college girl, all set for the DeSoto Plymouth $1,500 question. Here we go for $1,500. I'll give you 15 seconds to decide on a single answer between you. Think carefully, and please, no help in the audience. Here it is. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world was the one built by Nebuchadnezzar to please his Persian queen. For $1,500, what was this great wonder called? You have 15 seconds. So talk it over. the answer you two have decided upon. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon. That is absolutely correct. Oh. I'll just say to it, if I ever appear before your court, that uh, I, I get a break, Judge. I think, I'll, I think I'll award you a free boulevard stop, sir. <laughs> Right, you win $1,500. Uh, how much in the quiz, Jack? Uh, $245 in the uh, quiz. $1,745. Uh, what are you going to do with all that money? Uh, I can't believe it. <laughs> well, if you don't believe it, we won't give it. <laughs> That'll take care of that problem. Well, thanks to both of you, and congratulations from the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers from coast to coast. You bet your life. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday night at the same time for the Groucho Marx Show, when the big question will be worth $1,000. And don't miss Groucho's television show, also presented by the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America. And remember that the dealers who sell the distinguished 1953 DeSoto also sell the brilliant Plymouth, the first truly balanced car in the low-priced field. DeSoto, Plymouth, two great cars. Both products of the Chrysler Corporation. And when you drive in, tell them Groucho sends you. Good night, folks, and remember... Just be sure to see the distinguished new DeSoto. Folks, here's a reminder from the National Safety Council. When driving, peel your eye for the small front. 
You Bet Your Life, transcribed from Hollywood, is produced by John Goodell, directed by Robert Dwan and Bernie Smith. Music by Jerry Fielding. This is George Fenneman signing off with the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers from coast to coast. You Bet Your Life is heard by our armed forces throughout the world. Okay, there we have it. Three episodes of You Bet Your Life with host Groucho Marx. I hope you enjoyed those shows as much as I did. And until next time, keep checking throwbacknetwork.net for more updates of different shows. And I'll see you next time on OTR Playlist.